is, there is a word in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, beginning at the 31st verse. 1 Samuel, from the King James rendition. The Bible says, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war, from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armors of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. You may be seated in the presence of God. And I want to, I want to just talk to you for a little while this morning uh, from the subject of facing life with confidence. Facing life with confidence. The words of this text particularly the words of verse 37, are highly seasoned and spiced with confidence. The note of confidence rings, rings clearly in the report found in verse number 37. Young David, uh, you remember David. David had a storied life. He was referred to as a man after God's own heart. And you remember the story of David was just a young, a young shepherd boy, tending sheep in the pastures. But throughout the course of David's life, God would, God would elevate him, and, and he would end up in the palace of the king. But somewhere in his journey, Terry, between the pasture and the palace, he had to face a giant. And I came to tell you this morning that, that in our lives, somewhere between our launching and our landing, we will face some giants. I want you to know that, that 
in this text, as David gets ready to face this giant, I want you to know that, first of all, he hasn't underestimated the magnitude of the challenge that awaits him down in the valley. He knows that he's up against a fierce force. He's conscious of the fact that the force in the valley is one that's experienced in warfare. He knows that his challenger is greater in size and in physical strength, yet, yet he goes on down into the valley making every step with confidence. He goes down into the valley confident that the Lord will bring him through. And I stop by to tell you this morning that whatever your circumstance is this morning, if you just trust and obey the Lord, he will bring you through. And so, so I want you to help me this morning as I talk about how to face life, how to face all of the giants that you got in your life, how to do it with confidence. Now I need to tell you up front, it's not, it's not my purpose nor my intent to frighten anybody. But I need to let you know it is my purpose and my intent to tell it just like it is. And in an effort to tell it like it is, it's, it's incumbent upon me to share with you that at some juncture in your life, every one of us will have to face a giant. Like it or not, Ready or not, willing or not, each of us will have to deal with a giant. Some force of, of Herculean strength and some power of gigantic size will face us and come up against us on this highway that we call life. And if I've learned anything from this ancient story in our text, I've learned that you don't have to go looking for your giants. Your giants will find you. I'm saying that they know your address, Tony. They know your zip code. They know your Facebook account. They know your Instagram, your Twitter, and your Snapchat. They know how to find you. Stop by to tell you that giants in life come in all kinds of forms and fashions. Giants are too numerous for me to begin to even mention them all, but permit me, if you will, to name just a few of the prominent giants that you might face in life. Right. Sickness, Jaden, is somebody's giant. Someone has come to experience failing and declining health, has to come to discover pains in your bones and in your body, that you've never felt before. A body that grows weaker and more feeble with each coming day and week and month and year. Going to the clinics and various doctors and, and taking all kinds of medicine, wondering what the outcome might be. Sickness is somebody's giant. Now if you're able to avoid and escape this giant of sickness, perhaps you'll encounter a giant of marital distress or domestic problems in your life. Partners pulling in opposite directions until the relationship is pulled apart. 
marital problems and domestic strife is somebody's giant this morning. And if we're able to get around that, someone runs into a financial distress. And you ought to know that financial distress is very real in all of our lives. That's a frightening giant. When you're literally holler sometimes afraid to answer the phone because it's a bill collector. Somebody says that your bill was due last month and this month has come in and you still haven't paid it yet. So frightening that sometimes in your own house, you're afraid to answer the telephone. I mean, you can be afraid to answer your own phone with the fear of hearing a voice of, a, of an angry creditor. Janice, I know you know about this, an angry creditor on the phone from your job I'm talking about, where they, where they, where they come back and, and they say all kinds of bad things about you, don't they, don't they Janice, when you're trying to uh, collect a debt for AFNI, you know what they'll say. I don't mention it, but you know what kind of thing they'll say. All I'm trying to get you to see is that financial distress is a very real giant. It may not be your giant, but it's somebody's giant. And then job-related problems prove to be somebody's giant. Dealing with a hellacious boss or a, a, a co-worker or a supervisor or maybe even not having a job at all proves to be somebody's giant. And I came to serve notice this morning that giants are very real. And I, I tell you, I discovered after years of worrying about my giants, I learned that I don't need to lose sleep over my giants. I used to Jay pace the floor all night long sometimes, sat up late at night worrying about my giants. But I read somewhere in scripture, it's reported that the Lord is my keeper and he keeps me from worrying about my giants. You know why? Because I read that he neither sleeps nor slumbers. And if the Lord is going to be up all night, David, I might as well go on to bed and get my rest because he's going to keep me. So in our text, Israel had a problem with, with a giant. In our text, the scripture tells us that Israel was experiencing a threat to national security, if you will. King Saul had learned of this menace and this problem and had gathered and amassed an army. And there were two armies. There was the army of the Philistines, and then there was the army of Israel, the army of the living God. And they were, they were opposed to each other. And some noted scholars said that they were, they were down in a valley between two mountains. And the scholars said that these two mountains looked like they were squared off with each other, ready to do battle. And according to scripture, the Philistines had a champion, a 
chief warrior at the time of our text. And this chief warrior suggested that the army of the Lord pick somebody to fight him. Somebody has read the story. And so this champion was not an ordinary man. The Bible says that he was nine feet, nine inches tall. I'm trying to paint the picture and make Shaquille O'Neal look like a midget. And he was wearing this coat that was called a coat of mail. And it was brass that was layered upon each other. And when he would walk, Fabian, it would clank. And it would sound like a thousand people walking through the valley. And the scripture says that he would come down every day. He would come down every day and he would walk through the valley and he would just roar when he speak his he would roar and he was a very imposing and intimidating factor. Uh -huh. He would roar and people were scared and they couldn't find anybody to fight this giant. Uh -huh. And as the story has it, David, a young shepherd boy, Jarrell, was at home and his brothers were on the battlefield. And so his daddy told him, said, I want you to go and check on your brothers. He had seven brothers. He said, go check on them and take a little parsley, take a little cheese, and come back and bring me a report of how they're doing in battle. Well, David went on down there and he heard all of the noise about how everybody was shaking in their boots about, about this giant Goliath. And David said, what's the problem? Y'all scared of this uncircumcised Philistine? I'll fight him. And I can hear his brother now saying, Cliff, you done lost your mind. You just a, a little boy. And he's a, a full man. Ready for warfare. But David wouldn't give up. And let me pause for station identification. When you know you got the Lord on your side. The word this morning is don't give up. I don't care how bad the situation is. But don't you give up. Because with God we are the majority. So David. David didn't give up. And he said I'll fight him. And they. They couldn't talk him out of it, so they went to the king and said, this little boy, is, he's out of his mind. And so uh, uh, the king sent for him. It's all in 1 Samuel 17. The king sent for him and said, come here, come here, son. You, 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 you can't fight this, this giant. And he's told the king, said, listen, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear with my bare hands. And the same Lord that delivered me then is going to deliver me now. So and so and so the king said to him, the king said to him, said, listen, listen, if you're just going to go, let me, let me, let me give you my armor. And he put on all of this battle gear on, on young David, but David put it on and it was too big and it was too heavy. And he said, I, I, I can't, I can't use this. I can't use this. I, I, I got to get, get rid of this. It's too much weight. Let me pause again for station identification. Sometimes we want the Lord at our side, but we're carrying too much weight. Sometimes we have to get rid of some things and some people out of our lives so that we can effectively go to war for the Lord. And that's what David did. David went to, went to war for the Lord. And so, and so, David, David, the Bible says on his way, down into the valley. Now remember, Goliath would come down 
to the valley and just aggravate God's people. He would roar out of that valley and just hurl insults towards God's people. The text says that he came down every day at the same time for 40 days. He came down hurling insults at God's people. Have you ever, have you ever had people to hurl insults at you? You ever had problems that, that attack you? And let me just tell you, this, this giant was a persistent giant. He came every day. He didn't go away. He just kept coming. And that's how our problems are sometimes. Sometimes, Linda, our problems can come through the dock on our door and we open the door and our problems come through, wave at us and go on out the back door. But then again, some of our problems ring the door and we open the door and they got suitcases with them. Indicating that they're going to stay for a while. And sure enough, some of our problems linger with us on and on and we wonder how long. I stopped by to tell you there is a light at the end of the tunnel. When you got God on your side, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So David went on down there in the valley. And I can see David going down in the valley. And I can just imagine what David might have been thinking when he went down in the valley. And I, I, I can imagine what he felt. And let me just tell you, you got to be careful how you treat God's people. Because God will get you if you mistreat his people. And so, and so, the idea there is that David went down. If you notice, I got a whole lot of notes here. I'm just thumbing through them now. He went on down into the valley. And I can see him stepping confidently as he goes down into the valley. And he says to this giant, well, the giant says to him first, listen, is this all the army of the Lord got? Is this the best you got? You send this little runt to me? David responded to him. He says, you come with sword and spear, but I come in the name of the Lord. And sometimes what we got to understand is all we got is the Lord to take with us. And in the word of the song, take the Lord with you wherever you go. But on his way down there. The Bible says that David picked up five smooth stones. And uh, there's been a lot of speculation about why he picked five stones when it only took one to kill Goliath. It only took one, but a lot of people say that one of the reasons he took five is because, and the scripture bears this out, Goliath had four brothers. And he thought if he killed Goliath, the other four might come and he'd have a stone for any one of those. But as I look at David as he walks down through the valley, and I thought about those five stones, and then there is a word that has five letters in the word, and that word is grace, G-R-A-C-E. God knows David needed some grace to face his giant. But not only did David need grace, there's another word with five letters. And that word is mercy. M-E-R-C-Y. Show enough David needed some mercy going down to face his giant. But then most of all, there's another word Terry called power. P-O-W-E-R. 
five letters in the word power. And David needed power like we need power to overcome our giant. Maybe, I don't know what was going on in David's mind, but maybe he was thinking as he walked down to face this giant, what he wrote in Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Maybe he was thinking about one day he would write the 27th Psalms. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? But, but maybe he was thinking about the words that he wrote in Psalms 37. Fret not thyself of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for, thou shall soon be, for they shall soon be cut down like grass, and should wither as a herd. Oh, I wish, I wish I could have seen him as he walked down step by step to face this giant, trusting in God, walking through the valley. Finally, he comes face to face with Goliath. The giant starts to hurl insults at him. But David stood there. He was just listening. And you know when you know whose you are, uh -huh. then you know who you are. Uh -huh. Sometimes you don't have to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. When you know whose you are, then you know who you are. You don't have to get anybody to tell you who you are. Uh -huh. and so, And so David put his rock, his stone, into his sling. I'm closing, but he put his stone into his sling. I don't want you to miss this. There's some things that God does, but there's some things that we have to do. God has a part in removing our giants, but we have a part in that as well. Notice the story. David picked up five smooth stones. That was David's part. David got a sling. That was David's part. David loaded up his sling. AR-15 for those of y'all in this day and age. David loaded up his sling. That was David's part. And then he started twirling the sling. That was David's part. But between the launching and the landing, that was God's part. God put power in that sling. He put power in that rock. And I stop by to tell you today, when you do what you're supposed to do, God, God will do what seemingly is impossible in your life. I know that you've got giants in your life. You say, how in the world am I going to get through this? How in the world am I going to overcome this? But I guarantee you, when you do your part, God is faithful to do his part. But sometimes, I've said this before, that we want the benefits and the blessings, but we don't want to give the service and the sacrifice. We have to understand that when we do our part, God will do his part, and he'll help us to defeat the giants in our lives. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I know what I'm going through, but I don't know what you're going through, but God knows. And God sometimes is just waiting for us to do our part. God is just waiting for us to be obedient to his word. 
God is waiting for us to do all that he's commanded us to do. And when he determines that we're doing what we're supposed to do, that's when God moves in. I mean, I ain't making this up. We got biblical accounts. Look at Abraham. God told him to take his son's own life. Can you imagine what that would be like? When, when, when Abraham demonstrated to God, he walked up that mountain. And he got the hatchet to take his son's head off. You remember what God did? He stopped him and said, wait a minute. Look over there in the bush. There's a ram in the bush that you could offer up a sacrifice. I just stopped by to tell you this morning that when you do what God tells you to do, he will provide. I'm not telling you what I, I thought about or what I heard. I'm telling you what he's done in my life. Oh, I'm not perfect. And that's why we got Jesus on the right hand of God interceding. And he's saying to this father, Larry Johnson is not all that he should be, but give him another chance. Give him a chance to obey your word and, and see if he'll do that. And then I've realized in my own personal life, the more I obey God, the more he blesses me. I say the more I obey him, the more he blesses me. I'm not saying that people don't obey him, don't get blessed, but the guaranteed blessings, I can have the assurance of knowing when I do what God says for me to do, that he's going to bless me. Yes. And when he does that, we ought to give him some praise. Right. We ought to give him some sacrifice. We ought to give him his just due. So God, God helped David to defeat his giant. He'll help you defeat your giant. But you got to trust him. You got to obey him. You got to follow his commands. You just can't do I don't care where it is. It can be in corporate America. It can be in sports. It can be anywhere. You just can't do whatever you want to do. In anything that we do in life to gain success, Tony and law enforcement, you have to follow instructions. You can't just do what you want to do. Well, why would we expect God to be any different? God, I can just do whatever I want to do, and then you just ought to bless me anyhow. That didn't even make good nonsense. And so, if you want to defeat the giant that's in your life, try God. Try being committed and try being consistent to what he asked us to do. And I promise you, you'll defeat your giant. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is, you'll defeat your giant. You got to trust him. You got to obey him. You got to serve him. You got to sacrifice for him. And he'll deliver you every single time. If you're not a member of the family of God, you need to, you need to get in the game. You need to get in the game. How do I get in the game? How do I become a member of the family of God? First of all, you got to hear his word. We talked about it in Bible class this morning. You got to hear the word. Uh, Romans 10, 17. So then faith, our belief, our trust comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. So we got to hear how God dispatched his son from heaven and came down into this lowly world of sin and degradation. Did nothing but good, but bad things followed him. He lived and he died for us that we might have abundant life. We got to hear that word and then we got to believe it. We got to have enough faith to obey what God says for us to do. That faith causes us to change those things in our lives that are not according to God's will. It causes us to repent and turn from those things that are wicked, those things that are evil, those things that are not in accordance to God's word. That same faith will cause us to have courage enough 
to openly acknowledge that I believe that Jesus Christ is God's only begotten son. And that same faith will cause us to be willing to be buried in the liquid grave of baptism, rising up a new person. Jesus lived, died, was buried in Joseph's tomb, and rose on the third day. We live in this crazy world of sin. We die to that sin. And then we're buried in the liquid grave of baptism, rise to walk a new life. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. And when we complete those acts of obedience, God will do at least two things in our lives. He'll add us to his family, Acts 2 and verse number 48, and he'll give us his spirit, Acts 2 and verse number uh, 38. And so if we obey God, God will bless us. And if you want to defeat the giant, whatever it is in your life, try God. Try doing it God's way. And I promise you, you'll be successful. If you're here and you just need prayer this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity in a moment to just to come and request prayer. Or if you need to be added to the family of God, we ask you to come right now as we together stand and sing.